Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Narrators. Today's story comes from author, artist, and web developer Miriam Suzanne. The theme of the show was Delusions. Okay, so um, I don't know if this is my delusions or people's response to my delusions or if they're the delusional ones, but I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you some things I don't know, too. Um, so my grandpa uh, is, was an academic, uh, theater, uh, school administrator. He had two PhDs in religion and physics, I think both from Princeton. I don't know that for sure. What am I going to do, fact check? Like... <laughs> Something like that. Um, he was also a big fan of opera. And uh, growing up in the 80s, early 90s, we would, uh, at their house, they had a TV up in their bedroom, which was pretty exciting. And we would all climb onto the bed or pull up chairs around and watch uh, The Marriage of Figaro in Italian or Don Giovanni. And I loved Don Giovanni. There's the part where they drag him to hell and uh, like the the floor is a grate and there's lights coming up through and fog and I think hands are reaching up and grabbing him and pulling him down. Yeah, it's so cool. Can you imagine anything cooler? <laughs> Probably, but <laughs> I couldn't. Um, and for context, this was uh, Indiana before the web went worldwide. Um, and my dad, uh, also an intellectual, I suppose, um, but maybe as a rebellion against his father, uh, decided to become a farmer and a mechanic and work with his hands. Um, so I grew up on a farm, mostly uh, carrying firewood and throwing hay bales. Um, but every once in a while, uh, every summer, my Uncle Bruce would come stay with us, my mom's brother, and he worked at the Indiana Repertory Theater in Indianapolis, and they'd have three months off over the summer between shows, and he'd come stay with us, and he was my favorite, um, you know, motorcycle, leather jackets, long hair, pierced ears. It was a vibe for a trans girl in Indiana in the 80s. Um, so I was really into that. Uh, and then he started doing Shakespeare in the Park there in town, um, and he would cast me in, like, uh, a fairy in A Midsummer Night's Dream or... Um, uh, the part of the night watch in uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which was very exciting. And I mean, nepotism is a great job if you can get it. <laughs> but also, it was a small town. And um, if you wanted to be in the show, you probably could be in the show. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't difficult auditions. Um, let's see. So uh, in Much Ado, and I'm probably middle school at that point, uh, I'm in the night watch, and it's very exciting. I've got like two lines, something like that. Um, 
And my dad is cast as the friar, uh, so and my uncle's directing. And but I'm in middle school, so my dad is my ride to and from rehearsal, and then uh, explains to me on the ride home everything I've done wrong and how I need to work harder and or maybe find something I'm better at. Um, so uh, after several rounds of that fatherly advice, I found a different roles in the theater. I stopped acting, um, and I haven't done much acting. And I did lights in, co in high school and in college. And then I, I studied theater in college, uh, writing and directing. And, um, and then I also started a theater company on the side. Um, and at some point, uh, you know, we're rehearsing at college until 10, and then we would grab a snack, drive across town, um, and rehearse our show until 3 a.m. Not something I can still do. At some point, my mom was like, does it really make sense to run a theater company while you're a full-time student? And I said, no. You really think I should quit college? <laughs> that, that wasn't what she thought. Um, my dad did seem to like it better, the, the new roles I was taking on. Um, I overheard him once telling friends in the other room that he liked a show I wrote. So that was a big win for me. Um, and he did tell me eventually, too, that he liked some of my work. But mostly he told me at that age that uh, you can make art. Making art is great. He really liked art. But he said, everybody I know who's an artist is in therapy. It's not good for you. You have to do something else also, something grounding, work with your hands. Uh, so I said, counterpoint, therapy's pretty cool. You should try it. <laughs> that didn't go over great. But um, yeah, uh, my grandma would come to uh, a lot of our shows, she always seemed to like them. I mean, you can never tell with family, right? But my grandma seemed to like our shows, but she would always have concerns about the violence or the language. Um, and she'd point to Shakespeare and like, he doesn't use the F word once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but I would try to argue that, you know, much ado about nothing is one big sex joke from start to finish. If you don't know the title, some people have dangly bits. Um, and some people don't, uh, and that's, they have nothing. So it's a show where people are making a big ado about not much. So that's the show. It is that joke from start to finish. That's Shakespeare. I don't know how well that argument went over, but uh, I think it is a fair argument. Um, yeah, Grandpa, the opera lover, uh, he would also come to the shows, and he also seemed to enjoy them. Uh, and then he would talk to me afterwards about ways that I could make it clearer what was happening. Um, so, like, if we were doing magical realism, he'd be like, that was great. I really loved it. I really enjoyed all the magic. But what if, would it be clearer if it was just realism? Realism. <laughs> like, would that... Would that be easier? It's like, yeah, that's, that's fair. It, probably. 
Um, I think it was his brother, or maybe his brother-in-law, I'm not sure, uh, who actually said to a writing professor, um, I don't understand why people write fiction. Why would you write fiction? It's not true. <laughs> so it runs in the family. <laughs> it seems fair. Uh, he would also ask me what classes I was taking, but then he would find out they were art classes. and He was supportive, but then also wondered if there was something real we could talk about. So somewhere in there, I got married way too young and then divorced very quickly. Uh, my ex liked to say that all theater was pornography, which is maybe a bad sign for me. And not in a good way. She was not getting off to it. Um, I think... And I think she liked theater fine when I wasn't doing it. Uh, but then, you know, I'd be at rehearsal late with other women and actors. You can't trust actors. I'm not an actor. I'm just on stage holding a script. But you can trust me. Um, around my uh, senior year, uh, I, my second senior year, <laughs> I was there five years. Maybe mom had a point. I don't know. Uh, I never graduated after five, yeah. She might have been right. Um, but the senior, my senior year, they asked me, uh, they were doing a big spring production of Marriage of Figaro. Uh, the theater department and the music department working together to do this big opera, and they wondered if I would do subtitles. And I don't remember if there were subtitles on the VHS we watched, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I was born for this. Okay, we'll do subtitles for this show. But it has the same problem as Much Ado About Nothing, where it's a show from 1786 written in Italian. Um, and the sex jokes aren't going to translate to an audience in Indiana in the uh, early 2000s. And if they did translate, it would be a scandal, and the program would be shut down. So my job wasn't really to translate. There's plenty of translations out there already. They didn't need that. What they needed was somebody to try and paraphrase in a way that would still be funny, but also G-rated. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I did what I could. I guess I caused a fight between the two departments. The theater department thought it was pretty funny. The innuendos I was coming up with. Um, the music department thought I was spitting on Mozart himself. So, a little bit of a disagreement. Uh, the show happened, it was fine. They used most of my subtitles, not all of them. Grandpa saw the show, uh, he loved it, he thought it was very funny. He wondered if maybe it had been, would have been a little clearer if the subtitles had just been a literal translation. But they were very funny, good work. But could you have just given me the, yeah. Probably you're right, Grandpa. I'm sorry. Um, and that was a conversation we then had for a long time, over and over, because uh, he started to lose his memory. Um, he actually died earlier in COVID. Uh, and he would latch on to a specific thing with each person that would come visit. And um, with my brother, that was cordless phones. How do cordless phones even work? There's no cord. Is it like Wi-Fi or something? <laughs> but for me, it was those subtitles. Uh, we had that conversation over and over. Um, I miss him. Um, where am I even? Like, what are these notes for? <laughs> uh, yeah.
Um, when I moved, that theater company fell apart. I moved here. Um, I was doing theater. I started, I had some bands. I actually moved here with a band and uh, then I started working as a web developer, writing code. I don't know if my dad would count that as working with my hands. It is sort of. Um, but uh, so I'm not just an artist. There you go. Uh, but I got here. I had all these things going on. I had to find an accountant to figure out how to do this freelance taxes with various things happening. And the accountant was like, whoa, it's very cool that you do all these different things. But someday you're going to have to focus, right, and pick one. I was like, ma'am, I'm almost 40. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that you're getting into life coaching. <laughs> but do you still do taxes? I need... <laughs> okay, one more cousin. Um, uh, we called him Uncle Chuck. He was... A cousin once or twice removed. I don't know the actual relationship. Uncle Chuck, uh, he was sort of an extra grandfather that would show up every once in a while and very much a clown. And he could whistle harmony with himself out both sides of his mouth. I don't know. We thought he was cool as a kid. Um, but in 2005, he was dying. And I drove with my parents to visit him in the hospital. And when we got there... He wanted to talk to me specifically. He pulled me in close, uh, and he was like, I dedicated my life to theater. And I was like, what? I never heard that. It turns out, I think, he had dedicated his life to drama therapy as a psychologist, um, which is different. <laughs> but I'm not going to fact check him <laughs> there. Uh, but uh, he also was a missionary and uh, evangelical. Um, didn't, didn't live to find out that I'm a queer trans woman uh, and would disagree with him on everything. But um, during the divorce, he had sent me packages of clippings from Focus on the Family, explaining how marriage is permanent and the psycho-spiritual damage I would cause or suffer if I ever had sex again or whatever. Anyway, so we're in the hospital and he pulls me in and says, I dedicated my life to theater, but now I see all these movies out of Hollywood. They're full of sex and drugs and violence and language. Uh, they're evil. I thought theater was good. I thought I was doing something good with my life. But you do theater. Is it evil? Aaron, you want to take this one? <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, Chuck, probably. Uh, probably is. So I've got a show opening <laughs> next month. Um, I wrote it. Uh, I'm acting in it, so hopefully I do better than I did when I was 12. I think Dad's coming to see it, so I'll, I'll let you know what he says. <laughs> um, it's a show about identity and change. Uh, it's a one-woman show with two women and a lot of music. Uh, it's an attempt at Greek tragedy that ends up maybe more comic, and it's about change and life. So, 
We'll see if I'm deluded going into this. Thank you all. Keep it going for Miriam Suzanne! is produced by me, Ron Doyle, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Our music is by Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Kevin Matthews. Special thanks to our sponsors, Bumpboard Theater Company, Illegal Pete's, and Great Divide Brewing Company. We'll be back next week with a new episode. If you're in Denver, please join us for one of our live shows, which take place on the third Wednesday of every month. For more information about the live show or past episodes of this podcast, you can click on the link in our show notes or visit our website, thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.